Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the difference between the opioid crisis and the war on drugs. Think of the way we talk about those two things, the addiction that many people now have to opioids and the problems that that is causing, the response that it's getting from both political and social context. And then think about the war on drugs, the the sustained war on drugs over many decades that has painted drug use and drug selling in a really different way, in a really different context than the opioid crisis. Why is that true? Why do we talk about one thing as a criminal enterprise and a scourge on communities and the other as really a sort of social problem, a health problem, a public health problem? We're going to talk with a couple of experts about those distinctions. But up first, yesterday the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., tweeted out a series of emails ahead of a New York Times story that would show he'd agreed to meet with a Russian government official to receive damning information about Hillary Clinton during the presidential campaign. Whether or not that meeting went according to plan and how well the Russian lawyer was connected to her government is a little bit unclear. But this is the first real smoking gun regarding collusion between the Trump campaign and Russian officials. What are the legal implications of the email exchange and the meeting? And what's the political fallout in Washington from this revelation? And what did President Donald Trump know? And when did he know it? The question that is always looming in this conversation. Uh, joining me now to talk about this is David Shepardson, a reporter with Reuters in D.C. He covered congressional politics for the Detroit News for many years. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to start with you talking about the sort of political context of, of this. Uh, it is summer in Washington, uh, a time when people are not as busily at work, uh, in my memory, as they are at other times of the year. At the same time, when something like this happens, People sort of engage. They start to think a little more about what goes what goes on. Uh, talk about what the reaction to this has been, uh, particularly in Congress. Well, look, as you said, this is a time where usually Congress is getting ready for the summer recess. I think there was supposed to only be 12 legislative days left before they leave for about five weeks. And the Trump administration has been trying desperately to turn the page on Russia because they've got all these big legislative issues they want to address, starting with health care reform and tax reform. But, you know, every, every day, seemingly, there's another big revelation about Russia. So, you know, yesterday in Congress, there was a lot of, you know, obviously, Democrats were, were very harsh. Even some Republicans were pretty critical. I mean, Senator John McCain noted that his sons are in the military and have suggested that they had done something similar to what President Trump's son had done, they would have been court-martialed. So there's a, there's a lot of anger. A lot of people in Congress expect and want Donald Trump Jr. to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, certainly it seems like there are a lot more shoes to drop with the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller's investigations go, going on. So it, I think the big wild card is how much does this issue prevent or does it prevent 
Republicans in the Senate from reaching a health care deal, or or do they, or does the deal rise and fall separate from all the all the the action and angst over Russia? Yeah, uh, there is of course a a a, a a a very aggressive investigation that's ongoing around this, and it has so far remained sort of a specter, I guess, in the background of what goes on in Washington, mostly because we just don't know what Robert Mueller is looking at. We don't know what he knows, uh, and we don't know uh, very much about what actually went on between the Trump campaign and the Russian government during the during the campaign last year. I'm I'm wondering uh, the, the the reaction, the public reaction, and the media reaction to this is that this is the first sort of concrete evidence of a very close. Uh, encounter between uh, the Russian government and uh, the Trump campaign. Um, is it being seen that way in the political culture in Washington? Are, are, are Republican members of Congress, for instance, saying, oh, wait a second, there's something a little different about all of this? You certainly have seen a lot of pundits and a different tone from some Republicans, because remember, one of the White House talking points for months has been this is fake news there's no evidence of any connection between russia and the trump campaign and these emails certainly suggest pretty starkly that at least someone who donald trump jr believed according to the emails was providing information from the russian government that he met with them and not only that but brought along the chairman the then chairman of the campaign paul manafort and Jared Kushner for this meeting. Now, obviously, Donald Trump Jr. went on Fox News last night and said this was a, a nothing meeting, no information came out of it, and some of his allies have suggested he's set up, but you know, Democrats and others have said it. They, they question, their argument is it doesn't matter that there was no information provided, that that the action of taking this meeting when you when you expected to receive something of value, this information from the Russian government could be could be problematic and potentially open them up to a criminal investigation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. Uh, I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is David Shepardson. He's a reporter with Reuters in D.C. He used to cover congressional politics for the Detroit News for many years. We're talking about Donald Trump Jr. and the position he finds himself in today after the New York Times revealed that he had a meeting with uh, someone who had connections to the Russian government who apparently said that they would be able to help the Trump campaign defeat Hillary Clinton and that that was a goal of the Russian government. Uh, it's been revealed not only through the meeting itself, but through emails that the New York Times acquired that belonged to Donald Trump Jr. Uh, that detailed the setup for this meeting, the promises that were made. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Um, uh, we want to know what you think about what Donald Trump Jr. did here. What do we want to know what you think about what he said uh, before 
this came out, uh, this, this sort of denial, routine and consistent denial from the Trump campaign about this ever having happened. Does this change the picture that we're looking at here? Does this change the way that we're thinking about these things? Uh, David, uh, I, I want to know what you think about the, the effect of this news on the president's agenda. Uh, healthcare is is being debated right now in the Senate, uh, and Mitch McConnell says he wants to maybe hold people there in Washington a little longer to try to get them a chance, a longer chance, to come up with a bill that they can uh, all agree on. Uh, that's a major part of the the president's domestic agenda. Other parts of it, he he seems to say that you know they keep the the message from the White House keeps keeps coming back to the idea that they want to work more on their agenda than answering questions about this Russia investigation. But but it's hard to, to figure out where that all lies. There isn't a whole lot going on in Congress around this president's agenda. I wonder if this, uh, if this investigation and these, um, these revelations make it uh, harder to, to actually get any of that stuff done. I think if you talk to the Republicans, they'd say it absolutely does. I mean, all these all these members of Congress are already thinking a lot about 2018 and the midterm elections, and they're very cognizant of the president's approval numbers. And I think a lot of them fear the uncertainty. They don't know, and as you pointed out, we don't know where the Mueller investigation is going. We don't know how much, if anything, we don't we don't has not been made public yet about the contacts the Trump campaign had with Russia, and we don't, we don't know who has, has given interviews to Mueller and his team and agreed to cooperate. So there's just a lot of uncertainty. And despite that, if you look at something like the health care bill, there are only 52 Republicans in the Senate, and you have a big split between moderate Republicans like Senator Murkowski of Alaska and, Olympia, um, and Susan Collins of Maine, and you've got Republican, you know, conservative Republicans like Mike Lee of Utah and Ted Cruz of Texas, who say the McConnell bill isn't conservative enough, and the moderates say it, it's 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 too conservative. So, in the best of circumstances, threading that needle and finding a, a bill that can pass with 50 votes through the budget reconciliation process, which is arcane way that allows limited pieces of legislation to get through with just 50 votes. Is would be incredibly difficult under any the best of circumstances, and and given the the endless distraction of Russia and how every day's news cycle is focused on Russia and not on you know healthcare or these other issues that the Trump administration would like to address. And then remember, beyond that, they want to get upwards of a trillion dollar tax reform bill through as early as September, and that that is very difficult because they need to come up with hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue to offset the big cuts in corporate taxes they want to put in place. And, and doing that is going to cause a lot of pain because somebody's going to have to put that bill if you're gonna, we want to offset the, those taxes. So they've got a couple really big things going. And then finally, if you talk about the agenda, you look at what's going on in Congress this week, and one thing that has got some attention back home is the, the House Appropriations Committee yesterday voted to reject these massive cuts to the Great Lakes Restoration Program, which is a $300 billion fund. They, and they reversed a lot of the other budget cuts that the Trump administration had called for, like essential air service, which affects rural airports, including a lot in Michigan, and cuts to Amtrak. So 
So, I mean, that, that typically happens, but the Trump administration came in you know, proposing these massive cuts to domestic spending, and so far Congress has reversed quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Chris in Ann Arbor. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Uh, Regarding your question, what did the president know and when did he know it? Mm -hmm. Um, I find it interesting. You know, the original emails came in at June 3rd and eventually for a meeting set up on June 9th. And in between that, on June 7th, the president uh, gave a press conference where he said, you know, probably on June 13th next week, I'm going to make a big speech about all the Clinton's criminality, new information and all that. And that was supposed to be for after the meeting with the Russian lawyer. And when that kind of, I guess blew up, uh, he never really delivered that speech. And I find that really interesting. And based on how much this crew has lied again and again and again about the Russia issue, I, I find it hard to believe that the president didn't know about what the meeting was supposed to be about, at least. So so you you feel like uh, this is this is maybe the last piece to fall into place that 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 proves uh, something here happened that 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 wasn't not maybe not the first piece, Chris. Yeah, I don't know about the last piece, but yet another piece I expect to to fall in. Yeah. Okay, to Chris, uh, I I appreciate uh, I appreciate the, the the call and the comments. I think uh, a lot of people are in that same kind of position. Let's go to John on the east side of Detroit. John, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you for taking my call. So, uh, my question is for you. What similarities do you see uh, in the the Bush or the uh, Trump administration as uh, you saw in the uh, demise of the uh, Kwame Kilpatrick administration? I I see a lot of arrogance on both of the teams and a lot of lies and such, but you investigated a lot of that. So I was just wondering what your point is on that. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I I don't think there are, there are are not a ton of direct similarities, uh, I I think, uh, in the case of of Kwame Kilpatrick. um, Everything was, everything that they had done was sort of right there in, these emails that they had sent, and we had fourteen thousand of them that uh, that really detailed what was going on. The question, the question then really was, how long would it take the prosecutors to sort of sift through that and and come up with the charges that they were going to pursue against uh, Kilpatrick and the other people around him? Here, I, I I really think that there's a lot of question. There's a lot of unclear sort of fact surrounding all of this. I'm not sure that we know very much about what actually happened. We certainly, uh, for the first time now, are seeing any emails that describe the behavior that uh, that the Trump campaign was was involved in. Uh, we don't know. We don't know the, the the legal context. I think of of what uh, what what's possible here yet. Um, uh, this is a much it's a much murkier situation. It's almost uh, uh, th- that sort of analogy people make sometimes about being in a dark room uh, with an elephant and you're sort of grabbing and you don't know which part of the elephant you are, you are grabbing. Is it the important one or is it, or is it uh, not an important one? And, and I don't remember that being the case with Kilpatrick. That was a much clearer, uh, that was a much clearer incident of, of, of misbehavior. The pattern there was was very obvious from those text messages, uh, and it was really just a matter of process. Here, 
I, I don't even I don't know where the process could end up, uh, and and that's part of the part of the trouble. But but David Shepherson, talk about in Washington the sense of inevitability here is, or if there is one, is there a sense that this all leads to something pretty important and perhaps uh, uh, damaging or or you know fatal to? The Trump administration, or do a lot of people just think, mm, I don't know what this is, and maybe it's nothing? You know, as you said, I think there's no way to know, but there's certainly a lot of, of pessimism, pessimism and, real, and real depression on the part of a lot of our Republicans, because look, you know, it wasn't so long ago that President Trump came into office with both Republican houses of Congress, I and mean, that hasn't happened in a long time, a pretty aggressive agenda and health care, tax reform, you know, restructuring, slashing the size of the federal government. And, you know, it's been a pretty rough six, almost six months in office. I mean, with a lot of fights over the travel ban and you know, so other other issues that are maybe not core to his agenda, you know, fights on Twitter with various entities like Morning Joe and so on. So, no, I think Republicans... As you see in a lot of these investigations, and look at the you know the Valerie Plame affair, you know during the Bush administration, these investigations tend to drag on for a long time, and there's no, you know, there's a lot of witnesses and documents, and you know this investigation clearly involves lots of entities in Russia. So you know the Mueller's team, which I think has like 15 prosecutors and a bunch of FBI agents, you know that that's likely to go on for a long time, and they're obviously not going to bring any sort of findings until they are very confident that they've uncovered everything and, lo- and looked into all possibilities. So, no, I think there's kind of a sense of resignation that this is going to go on, and you have every major news outlet with it, with spending tons of resources on this, plus Bob Mueller, and you know, it just doesn't seem like there's right. any way in the short term that this is going to going to wrap up or he's able to move on. Well, one of the things that th- that this, I guess, reminds me of, given given John's call and his question, I, I think the more direct analogy may be to the late years of the second Clinton presidency, when the investigation into Whitewater really sort of found its footing, uh, and and we had these allegations about Monica Lewinsky and these other uh, these other incidents, and what it. The, the effect of it really was to stall the presidency out on, on policy initiatives. I mean, if you think of, of that second presidential term uh, uh, for, for Bill Clinton, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of accomplishment. And part of that was because uh, this, this sort of cloud of scandal dogged him relentlessly because this open-ended investigation went on and on and on. Uh, forever, and so I guess uh, I, I would probably draw a more uh, more direct uh, comparison uh, to that. Go ahead, David. Oh, and I, I think you're right. I mean, and that this is this is not a partisan issue. I mean, both parties have, have dealt with these ongoing investigations that drag on. And you're absolutely right. That suck up a ton of time and energy and attention. You know, as, as when I first got here, I remember talking to members of Congress who said, you know, the key thing to remember is the first day you get in office is the height of your power as president. Look what Barack Obama, for example, got done in the first 100 days. And every day you're in office, 
you get closer to that next election, your opponents get more emboldened. It's harder and, it and harder. It's harder, time. absolutely. And so, you know, I mean, that's not to say that there's still a long time before the midterm elections. And, you know, President Trump is still very popular with his base. And so there's, it's not to say they can't get a lot of things done, but it's, it's, it becomes much more difficult when you have a scandal like this. And so... Yeah, it's, it's the middle of July. You know, the first six months is gone. There really have been very few legislative achievements, with the exception of, of rolling back some Obama-era rules. So now, now it's a tough time. Can they do? Can they get something done in healthcare? And if they can't, can they quickly pivot to tax reform? Yeah, yeah. Let's go to Colleen in Detroit. Colleen, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh huh. I was just wanted to comment on the um, Donald Trump Jr. Russia collusion. Uh-huh. I see no difference between that and the dossier that John McCain is the one who actually turned over and started this whole thing. Wasn't that somebody digging up dirt on Donald Trump? Uh, so, you know, if a Russian telemarketer calls you, is that Russian collusion also? Because really, yeah, Colleen, what that's is a- the difference? Well, I, 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 I'm not a lawyer, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proceed pretty cautiously here in answering that. But I think what we're talking about here and and the significance of what we're talking about here is tied into the fact that the Russian government, a foreign power, a foreign power, a foreign government wanted to influence our elections, was openly saying that what they wanted to do was have an effect on our election. And the accusation, and we don't know if this is true, but this is why uh, these revelations matter, uh, the accusation is that the campaign of Donald Trump helped the the Russian government to, to, to achieve that aim. So this is not just about the kind of opposition research, for instance, that all candidates do on their opponents. I mean, the, the, that that is very standard fare, uh, uh, for instance, in, in all politics. This is about uh, an opposition research that involved cooperation with a foreign government. And that invokes a very different legal context for what is happening here. But it also invokes a very different cultural context, I think, about what what happens here. Um, I, I, I don't think your comparison to what John McCain uh, did or did not do is is even remotely uh, r- relevant in that in that context. I mean, uh, John McCain is not accused of working with a foreign government to influence an American election. That's what we're talking about here. And I think we, we, we all at least we don't know whether this happened or not. We don't know to what extent it happened. We don't know who's involved. But we all, I think, ought to be really clear about the nature of the allegations here and the seriousness of those allegations, if they are true, the serious of that situation, if it proves to be true. But uh, Colleen, I, I, I do appreciate the call and the comments. David Shepardson, I want to give you a quick chance to respond to that before we end the segment here. Yeah. No, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, that is the key issue here. And it's one of the things you've seen from some of the Republican allies from the New York Post came out with an editorial that said Donald Trump Jr. is an idiot, suggesting this is really about sort of naivete or just, you know, not understanding the rules. Uh, but you're right. I mean, any if you listen to seasoned campaign officials from both parties, they say they would never accept help from a foreign government. Because as you said, I mean, that's potentially a crime. 
to you know to accept help from a foreign government interfering in a U.S. election. Now, some of his supporters could say, as it's sort of the caller was suggesting, you know, this is this is something that happens all the time. He didn't understand the difference, and ultimately, I think that's something that the special prosecutor and people are going to have to decide. You know, was it a crime? You know, on its face, or is the his his rationale that nothing came out of it and I didn't understand the rules, essentially, yeah. is that going to be enough? Right. Okay, David Shepardson, reporter with Reuters in D.C., used to cover, cover congressional politics for the Detroit News. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about the opioid crisis and how it squares with the war on drugs. Stay with us on Detroit Today. <laughs> 